Welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I'm David Aldridge in D.C. on lockdown like everybody else. In L.A. on lockdown is my man Waz Lambray. Waz, what's up, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. It's been a gloomy few days here in L.A., not just because of quarantine, but it's been in the 50s and overcast. It's just it's miserable, Dave. It's terrible. And, I, and, it's, and it's more terrible. It's fine for me because I don't like people generally. So it's OK for me to be locked up for a little while. <laughs> but but I know for young young people like you that want to go out and get your get your drink on and get your party on. This has got to be like devastating. And that's and that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I work from home anyway, so it's not like much of my routine has changed. But generally, it's like, all right, every four days or so, I'll be like, let me go outside and, and, and actually talk to people um, and have a drink or two. And that's no longer a viable option. So. It's tough. And it's only been a week, so <laughs> so I know it's only going to get tougher. Somebody put this on Twitter this morning. They were like, the NBA canceled the season a week ago. And I was like, damn, it feels like it's been yeah. three months already, Thanks. doesn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, I don't want to take any more time. I want to bring in our guest this week. I'm so glad she's on. She is uh, one of my favorite people that I love dealing with, the executive director of the National Basketball Players Association, Michelle Roberts. Michelle, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Always for you, David. Always for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I appreciate it. I really do. And um, obviously, there's so much to talk about that people mm, yeah. want to know about over the last week to 10 days. But the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is just how you're doing. I mean, how how is it everybody's had to make these kind of wild adjustments to their life? Yeah. And how are you holding up? Well, you know, not bad. Uh, we we actually shut down the the PA's headquarters last week, um, right. anticipating it was going to happen, and wanted to get, give the staff a chance to just sort of adjust to to work away from the office. So you know, that happened. I kept going in to be perfectly candid with you because I, I just <laughs> that's what I do. I've always worked with snowstorms, uh, epidemics, pandemic. What the hell? I just go to work. But when it became increasingly obvious that it was that it was a stupid move to be wandering around, and then finally that the, our, our mayor very strongly recommended that people stay home. I, I started doing that. So um, I'm home. I'm not used to this at all, at all. But you know, it is what it is. But the Good news is that I'm hearing from our players at a, at a pace that I've not um, enjoyed, and I will emphasize wow. enjoyed for the last five, five and a half years. You know, they have nothing else to do, so they'll call Michelle, and that's kind of cool. But we're hanging in there. I, I agree with you. It feels like it's been a lot longer than a week. The first thing I wanted to ask with regard to the players is what are they? What are they concerned about? What are they asking you about? Well, initially it was, um, you know, an estimate about how long it can this last. Are we going to be able to save the season? Um, are the playoffs in jeopardy? I mean, this is going to be an exciting end of season and an exciting playoff. And so, you know, these guys are competitive. They're competitors, and they want to get back to back on the court. Um, obviously, concerns about compensation, um, what the, the, the revenue loss is going to look like. I mean, the kinds of questions that you'd anticipate. But they're mostly, just like the rest of us, you know, hoping that this thing will will, will end sometime in the near future. It's, it, you know, they're anxious. I'm anxious. You're anxious. We're all anxious. Um, but we'll have to just plow through it. Um, Michelle, I wanted to ask about compensation because it is important, right? Um, unlike the NCAA and their cancellation, like their workforce doesn't get paid, so it kind of doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> like whether they play these games or not. Sadly, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you guys, your workforce would be incentivized to play, right? Like guys potentially are missing out on checks. Like are, are there provisions in the the you know the contracts with ESPN and Turner and all those people where if there's a global pandemic, then you know money isn't paid out. How is how does this work out? Well, I want to let you ask the question about TV and our broadcasting partners. Let's let you ask that question to Adam because it's the, that's mm. the deal. That's the contract negotiated by the league. Okay. And the obvious answer is that I would, as a lawyer, I would be shocked if they did not negotiate something in that contract that is the uh, Turner at all to match some contingency. But in any event, and as far as the players that uh, deal with their teams, you know, we have a collective bargaining agreement. And uh, as I think it's been reported, the collective bargaining agreement does provide that in the event there is some, you know, some significant emergency, like an epidemic, like a pandemic, and games are unable to be played um, for reasons that the teams can't control, then there is a formula that allows for some reduction in the player's contract. Uh, Our players know that. We've circulated information about that. And so, yeah, beyond the fact that they are competitors and want to compete, there are financial uh, shortcomings that they have to contend with in the event this thing does result in a formal cancellation of the season or the the cancellation of the playoffs. In other words, yeah, real money is on the line here. So they, this is this is force majeure language, right? That's exactly what it is, David. The force majeure, and you know, and that's typical in any contract, any commercial contract. But right. you know, our CBA is no exception. So, with regard to that, if I tell me if I'm wrong on this, the, the force majeure language also says they can basically end the CBA. Have they given you any indication if that's something they're even thinking about or considering? And that's why I, I call you one of the smartest journalists out there. No one has asked that question yet. No one's picked up on that yet. Yeah, unfortunately, there is that language that says, and again, it, it would be the something that would be very, very, very highly negotiated. But there is language that suggests that the the CBA could be could be yanked and subject to renegotiation. Not a peep has come out of the mouths of anybody uh, from the league to me in that regard. I, I think we all share, in, and maybe we're all, we're all idiots, but we're all incredibly optimistic that we can salvage something and not mm-hmm. have the kind of economic devastation that might get folk over there thinking about whether or not to just rescind the CBA. But, but you're correct that there is language that does allow that to to be under consideration, let's put it that way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to concede that, that it's a slam dunk because it's not. But it's something we're worried about and have our eyes on and prepared to deal with if we have to. Hopefully we won't. There are also questions, as, as Waz mentioned, about you know the, the possibility of, of salary reductions. And I think we all understand there's going to probably be some salary reduction. There has to be, right, if you're going to only have – a 65-70 game regular season. There has to be something. So, mm-hmm. uh, you have very smart people in your office. What are what are their projections right now with regard to this? Is what we think it's going to look like, or at least these are this is kind of the range in terms of salaries that we're looking at. I can't share those numbers, but again, you're on the money. We have been running uh, different sort of what ifs. Um, what if the regular season is terminated, but we can do a full full playoff? What if the playoffs are abbreviated such that we don't have the, the same number of games? And so there are five or six different scenarios that we, we're running. We also, we're also, frankly, looking at the, the, the broadcast contract, the TV deal, to see what 
if any reduction in BRI is going to be occasioned because they, the games can't be obviously they can't be broadcast if they're not being played. Um, right. So there, there are probably twelve different projections I've looked at. Um, I've not gotten anything from the league. I'm sure, of course, they're doing the same thing. We're not we're not prepared to put any numbers out yet. But it, yeah, it, it's it's not going to be insignificant if we end up having to shut this season down. It will not be insignificant at all. Um, and the players know that, and you know, no one, no one is willing to give up all hope. Though it's becoming increasingly more difficult to to be as optimistic today as it was yesterday. Uh, I wonder what you guys, as you know, as a union, are encouraging your members to do in this time of inactivity. Right? It's not just the physical activity of being a player and practicing and playing in games and training and all of that stuff. But these guys are on the move, like actually traveling constantly all the time. They're not used to being home um, in, in the way that they're being forced to right now. What are you guys encouraging these, these guys to do in the meantime, while they're just literally just sitting around? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know if you if you guys are monitoring it, but there's a lot more chatter on social media. So they, they're clearly talking to each other and engaging more on social media. Than Spencer Dinwiddie's very active, I noticed. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's I mean, up to his active. <laughs> yes, he is. Spencer's <laughs> one that would be. Um, so there's, there's a lot more of that going on. They're clearly they're calling me, <laughs> which is probably means they have absolutely nothing to do. Um, so what we're encouraging them to do is to the extent they can, they can stay in shape to do that and not to sort of let their, their physical uh, physical shape be diminished by this at all. You know, some of them have home gyms and, and, and are able to at least take a, take a the run. Um, but the, the thing where Andre Gudala Andre put something on social media about some free online courses offered by Ivy League schools. And so a couple of guys have actually started doing that. Um, we are, as a PA, trying to figure out some activity that we can do vis-a-vis social media to keep the guys engaged both with each other and, frankly, frankly our fans and hope to be rolling something out in a couple, a couple of days, if not a couple of weeks, if not days. Um, but this is, you know, this is all all brand new. Um, they don't know how to contend with it. I, you know, I, I, I suppose they're reacquainting themselves with their children a little bit more, and that, that that's the silver lining. But you know, there are 450 players. There are 450 things that they're doing to try to stay busy. Um, and we, all we want to do is make sure that, that as, as a priority, they keep health number one. What what are uh, your you know, medical people and the people that you're bringing in to talk to the players telling you and telling the union about where this thing is going and what the, what the top science is telling us right now about think, you know, the direction that this pandemic is going in. Uh, Well, the good news is that they're not pointing to China as the inevitable. They're they're not pointing to Italy as the inevitable. I mean, they've helped us and helped the players understand that this is bad. But, you know, we think we can do better than the Chinese, and we think we can do better than the Italians. Only if not, for no other reason, we've learned from some of the things that they've done right and some of the things that they've done wrong. Having said that, um, they have also asked us to brace ourselves for the, uh, the most optimistic estimate that they can give, and that is that maybe by July, things will be calmed down enough uh, and contained enough that there'll be the possibility of games, not in any huge arenas. I mean, that's much too optimistic to even be credible. Um, But some possibility of some play could resume um, in July. Now, the playoff or the resumption of the regular season, 
it's much too soon to speculate about that. But um, the summer is not yet lost. But if it's not, if we if we do get there, then it will be because God is as good as I think He is. We've uh, you you mentioned, or I think Waz mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, the the news of this week was the. Nets and uh, four players, including Kevin Durant, uh, testing positive. Um, you saw, and I saw what you said to ESPN in, in reaction to what Mayor de Blasio said uh, about that. Um, what was your objection to the, I guess, the inference that uh, that the mayor was making there? Well, I mean, look, I'm, and I make this point, I'm in my 60s, and I'm supposed to be the one that's in the, in the, in the at-risk group. Um, and right. so I completely get it that that the people who are most likely, if 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 infected, to suffer significant consequences should be first in line. No one's going to debate that, and and there's no reason to even point that out. That frankly, everyone agrees. Um, but to suggest that there's there was there was something untoward in testing a team. And let's talk about let's talk about uh, Utah. When you've got a guy testing positive, you've got a a team of players that's been traveling all over the country, meeting another team of players that's been traveling all over the country. Teams that, as someone mentioned earlier on this call, have been traveling all over the country. Oklahoma City, everybody in that that arena had the right to be worried about what this all means. Because, again, we were were all kind of in that version stages of understanding what the spread even looked like. And so I don't think it was irresponsible at all to have that team tested in order to have Oklahoma City tested. I think a team that had just played, Utah was tested. Having said that, right, I still believe that you should, at this stage, you know, we've all calmed down. That was the first player, and, and everyone freaked out. Having said that, I think we should do, be doing what the league and what certainly what the PA has been encouraging players to do, and that is if you're symptomatic, by all means, let your doctor know, let the team doctor know, um, and he will determine whether or not testing is appropriate. No one has suggested, not NBA, not any NBA player that I've spoken with or heard read about has said that all NBA players are entitled to be tested. And so the mayor's statement, you know, and I, you know, I, I like the guy. I think he's a, he's fine. I think he's doing a fine job. Was a little disturbing because it seemed to suggest that we were positioning ourselves, skipping the line, so to speak. Right, that we were entitled to, to jump and jump ahead of the line, and that was so far from the truth that it disturbed me. Um, and so, you know, I get it. it, it look, that's, he's got a tough a tough job, and I wouldn't I wouldn't envy him one second right now to have, to have it. But I just think it's important for people to understand that there was no effort by by the teams or the players to bully themselves to the front of the line at all. You know, a guy got a guy was obviously sick, and we needed to figure out the extent to which that team, those players, and frankly, everybody exposed to them, um, needed to be put on put on alert. I think most people understand that. And 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 look, I I went to a, a conference just before that happened, and when I got back, a smaller conference, but a conference. And when I got back, I got an email saying that a member of the conference tested positive for the virus. And that they had contacted everyone who was in contact with that person, and since they hadn't contacted me, I, I felt okay. I'm I'm cool, but I'm not gonna lie. I was I'm, I'm a little nervous about the fact that I had been I'd spent two days in a conference with at least one person sure. that was actively infected. Um, having said that, I still haven't gotten tested because I don't have any symptoms. Knock on wood, God is great. But um, right. I, I, so I don't disagree with the mayor, but I just need, think we need to point fingers at the appropriate places. Not at each other. 
that's not helpful. Well, because, you know, this is an important question to me as somebody who's an observer of the NBA, and I've basically been following it all my life. I think the NBA deals with something that a lot of the sports don't deal with. It's like the perception that your league is very black and that your guys do make a lot of money. And I think that's a combination that irks a, a larger than a should be number of of the population. Um, like that combination of rich black guys getting some type of preferential treatment. Um, I think that perception is definitely out there. Uh, you know, is that something you guys are thinking about? Like how people perceive the way you guys as a league, as a union are carrying this? See, you're trying to get me in trouble. I'm just asking the question. That's what we're here to do, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, of course, this is a very black league, my words, and and there are people who have resentments about the league because there are a large number of African Americans who are clearly you know, wealthy because it's, you know, they are highly compensated athletes. Are there criticisms directed at the at the at the players on this question because of that? I'm not going there. I don't I don't know that that's the real reason why there there have been criticisms. I think frankly on on balance, um, despite what De Blasio had to say, most of the people I'm speaking with, reading about reading reading about on, on regular media and social media, are on the players' side on this issue. They're not they're not blaming the players for having had been having been tested. Um, so while I'm not making any making any headlines on that, I will say that it's not lost on me ever, any day of the week, that the the population that I work for is largely African American, and there are people, unfortunately, sadly, who are stupid enough to think that that's something that is a negative as opposed to a positive. Have Have you talked to Rudy Gobert? I have not spoken to him since he was tested. No, I've spoken with. With, with people, my staff has. I have not spoken with him personally. I've gotten the, the word to him that he, not for one second should he be thinking that he's um, any stigma about having right. tested positive, because there should be no stigma to having tested positive. Right, and so this is what I was. The point I was getting at when I've talked to other people about is, mm-hmm. while he did dumb things and touching the reporters' microphones and all that. We have no idea if he was the first person. He's just the first person we found out about. How can you possibly say, well, it's, he's patient zero? You don't know that. It's so ridiculous, but I've not heard those. I mean, people did have criticized him, and, and perhaps appropriately, for you know, the, you know, playing around with the mics. Clearly, he did not know the extent of the infection and contamination. At the time that he did that, not a lot of people did. I, like This idea that Rudy was being weird at the, the everybody was making jokes about it everybody was looking past how serious it was he wasn't alone in that. not only was he not alone you know, and, 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 and let's let's not forget the very first press conference that our president had about about this you know we had 15 cases then and the notion was they'd be going down to zero right i mean so we were all just incredibly naive about how how incredibly dangerous this this thing was um, and Rudy is no exception in having taken some, taken some, make, engaged in some behavior that we now know today was inappropriate. Um, but the, 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 to think that Rudy infected the league is, is, is preposterous. And, and I've seen one or two references to that 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 um, in social media. And it's just, and the good news is people most most people are smart enough to know that that, that is preposterous. Um, but you know, we, we all 
we all need to learn more about this thing, and we are learning more about this thing every day. Is that the case within the league, though? Within the um, your your union membership, though, like, do because you know the early reporting out there from va- various media outlets and quote unquote newsbreaker insider types was that there was you know some a, a bit of resentment towards Rudy for his handling of the situation or you know a, a sense that he was quote unquote reckless in his behavior um are you confident in the in the idea that you know it's not fractures cuz again the, the the conversation out there is like maybe this guy should be traded maybe he'll get blackballed after this um there's not a chance in hell that you okay, giving give it up Rudy Gobert. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll bet on that one. No, I mean, there, <laughs> there, there were a couple of, couple of guys that were, that chastised him and, and, and some might say appropriately so, but overall, most people were of the view, well, hell, I didn't know it was that contagious either. I mean, when, when Rudy went back into the locker room, the players were not like yelling at him, how dare you touch those mics, nor were the reporters in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the press room outraged that he was doing. And I, I, unless I'm mistaken, I think I saw some reporters laughing. So we were all, again, just beginning to understand how serious this thing was. And I have not, even by any stretch of the imagination, heard from players that they think Rudy is somehow you know, is a bearer of a scarlet letter. I mean, he's he's one of their he's one of their brothers. He's one of their teammates. Donovan, in, a, in an interview a couple of days ago, acknowledged that he was a little upset that Rudy at, at first, but he's since gotten over that and he, and he's cool with it. So. Uh, and the arms around Rudy because I think he's taken taken a lot of hits, some arguably deserved, but more than more than more than than I think fair. Absolutely. That, right. I mean, he just got sick. The guy just got sick. Right. What is what's your Michelle? What's your daily uh, communication like with the league? Is it with Adam? Is it with you know Rick Buchanan or legal or who 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 are you talking to and what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely have uh, daily contact with Adam, and we, we generally address whatever new issue has has come up. Um, I ask, he asks what I'm hearing from the players. I ask what he's hearing from the players because players, are, as you know, are not shy about calling Adam either. Um, he nice. just gives me an up, 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 update on what teams are saying, what concerns teams are having. Uh, my legal department is in contact with the league's legal department. Um, I actually had a conversation with Rick this morning, but uh, generally speaking, our lawyers speak to each other. And then uh, Joe Rogowski, who runs our medical medical department, um, is in regular contact with, with Fiore and, and David Weiss over at legal. So you know, everyone that needs to be talking to each other is doing that on a consistent basis, daily. Um, a lot of emails, a lot of texts. It's, um, again, it's... I normally have a, a, a ton of conversations with the with the league on a weekly basis. Um, this week, this has made us closer, it's, mm. and, and it's made me closer to the players and my staff in some ways. Um, we're all just just talking constantly. And sometimes I think it's because people are lonely, but but I do get a lot of phone calls from people, a lot of emails from people. Um, and the good news is that everybody seems to be on top of whatever just happened. Um, I understand that our president just had another press conference, so I expect there'll be a call to address any issues that came up that we need to be mindful of. But you know, it's it's been um, it's been good. I mean, and and I've been keeping my executive committee um, on on as as needed basis up up to date, which frankly has meant you know, two or three text messages, group text messages a day. You, um, I'm sure you saw what Adam said yesterday with regard to perhaps having some sort of 
some maybe charity basketball event that that could um, involve less than 50 people so that it could be aired to give the network partners some content, to give the fans some content. What are your, what ideas are your players thinking about or telling you about that they're thinking about in terms of, Hey, here's some things we might be able to do for people while we're all in this limbo. Yeah. Well, you know, and you mentioned Spencer, Spencer's been circulating um, a a proposal that has been embraced by a good number of players. And I've sent it over to the league to look at, you know, we, we we're thinking about um, the, the charity idea is a great idea because you know we we initially thought well if we can do something in an, in an arena fanless with um, you know to, to de- deal with what was then in the 250 um, uh, maximum capacity limit then we thought we could do that now that we've got this 50 person thing it's necessarily made both the league and and the PA think about something that will accommodate that very small number of of bodies because you you got you got your teams and then you need your 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 officials um and you need your broadcast partners to have their it's going to be incredible to figure out a way to do it but that as opposed to no basketball we'll take it Right. right, we'll we'll take it. I'm still mind. I'm still optimistic that we could do a little better than that. That, that perhaps down the road there'll be a relaxation of that 50 person maximum limit recommended by the CDC, because it, it, with, with with more flexibility, then we can be more flexible in terms of the kind of programming we can create. Uh, but if we're stuck, if we're stuck at 50, then I think what Adam described is probably the best we can do at that number. Uh, you know, as somebody who watches. Uh, you know, union relations very closely as a former um, union member myself. Um, it's something that I, you know, care deeply about. It's hard for me to not watch this, and I know that this is a work stoppage under different circumstances. But a part of a little part of me is like, this is kind of nice that the guys get to see what it's like to have a work stoppage, right? I know you and Adam are kumbaya now, and the relations are great, but the the, the next negotiation is always right around the corner. Part of me feels like this is good practice for you guys. Well, good for you to find another silver lining in this. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, but, but, but seriously, though, the, what's interesting is that the guys who were around at the last uh, lockout uh, back in 2011 had been yep. comparing it to exactly that, that this is how it feels, guys, to be locked out um, and have your money essentially on, on the line as right. well. Right. Um, the difference is that we could, and, I, and again, I, this is before my time, so I'm, I'm obviously t- not speaking from personal experience, but from my understanding, the back during the lockout days, guys could go out and compete. You know, you could still play some games. There were some charity they did. games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they did. And so that was a way to, to sort of stay in shape and you know, and get the get the rust off. That's not an option now, and that's the mm-hmm. real difference between the lockout. Well, that's one of one of the key differences between the lockout and what we're experiencing right now. Um, you got some guys, and you know, this, thank God it happened towards the end of the season, given the financial consequences. But that does mean that it happened at a time when guys were almost in their, at their peak performance level, uh, getting ready for the playoffs, and so you know, they're not used to not working out to this level um, for days at a time. Um, and when they tell me Michelle's killing me, I believe them. I believe them. But you know, it, it is the case that. This will, if we do find ourselves, and, and I don't know if I'm going to be having that conversation, but if we do find ourselves uh, pre-CBA warning players about how to prepare for a potential lockout, this will be a great reference point. 
So I want to ask you one more thing um, that is union related, but, it, you know, the NFL just signed a deal. Um, and, you know, there were reports out there about how, you know, ununited the players was that vote came down to really close, um, a really close margin with the no's and the yeses. Uh, you know, and obviously you're an expert on the subject, right? Like this is your job and your life, you know, um, to a certain extent. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the deal itself, um, you know, as far as what the NFL was able to go out and do. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 this is just the disclaimer that's obvious. I don't was not involved at all in, the, in their negotiations. To be honest with you, I, I have a limited knowledge of what the deal even looks like. I'm, I'm relying principally on media reports, and not, I just haven't really been following it that closely. I, if, if, if the players passed it, then I endorse it, and I, and I agree with you. It was, it was a close, it was a close vote. Um, but that PA has spoken. The majority of its players have said this is the deal we want. Mm-hmm. So I'm, not, I'm hard. I'm far be it for me to say it's a bad deal and they shouldn't have voted for it. No, I just just like D, I take my lead from my players. And if the players say that this is something that they can live with, and they apparently have, then it's a good deal. Um, if, they, if they don't, if they didn't think so, I would imagine that they would have been, been voted down. So I'm not going to comment on the quality of the deal, um, except to say that if these men have said. It works, and then I've got to take their word for it. Michelle, there was word um, before uh, the last couple of weeks that that there was indeed going to be a, a I don't know if you put it, a search committee or whatever you would say, yeah. um, to start looking into a successor. And I hate this because mm-hmm. I love you, and I want <laughs> you to be the executive director forever. But I remember an interview mm-hmm. a few years ago in your office when you said, there is no way in hell I'm going to be doing this when I'm 70. So so you are keeping your word. I, so. I, I, I have many things. <laughs> I try not to be a liar. I, 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 right. Look, I, I get guys and gals that want to work until they can't work no more. I mean, God bless them. That ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't me. I, I love my job, um, and I love that I took the job when it was offered to me. Um, but I, David, I didn't think I'd be here beyond my first contract. I honestly didn't. Right. I, I came in thinking that the most interesting thing, exciting thing, I mean, I love the players, was going to be negotiating that CBA. And when I, I, I said, you know, once that's done, because I do believe that once you finish one CBA, you have to start preparing for the next one. I mean, you might, I mean, you, there really is no peace right. between between negotiations. And so I knew that I asked myself, if you're not going to stay until this next CBA, you get, need to get out of here and let someone else get ready for the next battle. Um, and I had this conversation with the players, and they understood that. And like every good company, corporation, players association, you got to have a succession plan. It took right. two years for them to finally get me hired. Not because of me, of course. It's just it's a cumbersome process. You've got a lot of men, a lot of players that understandably necessarily have to be involved in it. It's got to be voted on by the board. So it takes a long time. And I want to make sure that when my time, my contract is up, I'm out of here. And so that's, <laughs> that's what you heard about. We, we, are, you know, we, we are trying to identify the best potential candidates for the guys to interview, you know, to get due diligence on and have enough of our members be able to you know, meet them, chat with them, question them, and then ultimately have a vote. So it's, I'm, again, not because I don't love this job, I do, but as long as I, I'm healthy, um, I want to be able to enjoy 
this next chapter doing a whole lot of different things um, to include yeah. continuing to work with the players in some capacity, but I, I do want to do some other things. And, and I've been using this period off as, as practice, right? Mm. <laughs> Just to see what it feels like not, not to be able to go into an office because there will be no office. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm much, I'm much older it, than you, David. So. <laughs> not that much older than me. But, um, so has this, has this delayed delayed that at all, or is it still continuing apace? Well, no. It, I mean, realistically, it pro- probably will. Um, hopefully not, not not by much. If we, you know, it's just a lot, a lot of what's going on right now, which is just a collection of, of interested parties and, and, and then targeting some people. But you know, I'm not going to lie. There was going to be some substantial travel in the next few months. That's clearly not going to happen. Um, right. and that, that's why the good news is, you know, we we started the process at a time that gives us room for these kinds of occurrences. So if, if it delays things by a few months, you know, my contract is still expired for another year and a half or so. I will get it done. I'm not worried that this is going to impede our ability to uh, to get get someone ready to take over. Well, Michelle, I can't lie. This makes me very happy that. You've been fighting for these guys for the last five or six years, and you're not going to leave the job to go work for one of the people you've been fighting against. <laughs> just, that makes me very oh, happy. Hell no. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> there, would not, there would be nothing wrong with it, but not for, doesn't work, that doesn't work for me. No way. Not for you. I love you. I, pre- I appreciate it. Michelle, as always, I, I love talking to you. I love just – I think you're you're so – you're so refreshing from most of the people in your position that I usually have to talk to. So. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment, David. It is a very big compliment. It's a very big compliment. Thank you. Stay safe. You know, stay okay. hydrated and all those things and, and keep your six feet distance as we're all trying to do. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for your time. You, you guys do the same. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Michelle. Right. Oh, that was awesome. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma Is. As Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs. It's like the bullshit and the braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he got their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in there. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies. We can't pay for the charters for the water over in Iowa. Hoops Welcome to Hoops. Five, four, we have ignition. Hello, bro. Hello, bro. Hello, bro. We talk about physical fitness a lot. But there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. Now, Waz, the nature scene that I love is usually Malbec, a couple of glasses. <laughs> I don't know if that's your thing, but that's my thing, <laughs> to get me calm late at night. But that doesn't work for everybody. I understand that. What, what do you do? You do anything in particular? Um, well, sometimes I'll take uh, a couple of Benadryl. 
just keep it pushing. Okay. Um, fall asleep gotcha. watching a movie or something, and and hopefully don't pick a too crazy or scary movie because that I think will will affect you. No, no, you can't do that. Try to watch something yeah. like World War Two in color. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like like old old uh, reruns of of uh, the new Bob Newhart show or something like that. That'll get you get you get in the frame of mind. So whatever you do. Uh, you should check out Calm. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash hoops, H-O-O-P-S. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash hoops. That's calm.com slash hoops. Oh, Waz, I just love talking to her. She is phenomenal. She's always been incredibly gracious. Even before she got the gig, she talked to me for 45 minutes. I remember doing a piece on her before she was hired. And I just think she is, she's done very well by those players. They respect her. They, they really like her. And it's just, a, it's such a different dynamic with her than it was with, with Billy Hunter. And that's no, that's no slam on Billy. He is it very, not? No, it's, no, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. Billy, Billy, you know, I know it ended badly for Billy, but Billy was a fierce advocate for the players for a long time and really tried, I thought, to do the right thing by them. And I know it got sideways at the end and there were some things that we'll probably never know the exact truth of, but um, it's just a different dynamic with her. She just is, you know, there's more of that kind of, I think they, they tell her things maybe that they wouldn't tell a man, frankly, you know, um, about their lives and what's going on. And I just think it, it, they, they go at her in a different way. And then she's still able to fiercely advocate their position when it comes to collective bargaining. And I think the last CBA reflects that. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing is that she just doesn't suffer fools, right? Like there's yep, no yep. bluster. Mm-hmm. There's no extra spice on it it's just you know right. it's direct but still she's she was very candid with us man which i appreciate because it's very easy for somebody who's in her position you know a public figure representative of some you know powerful important people to come out and just do sure. stick <laughs> you know what i'm saying oh sure sure, um, sure. that's Absolutely. that's usually the playbook and that's the that's the safe playbook honestly so i appreciate her coming on and just being really candid with us man Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of candor, I know um, we are in the midst of this, you know, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, I know it's a pandemic, but whatever this delay, what I have never seen in my lifetime, where just everything is on hold. I mean, even after 9-11, there were, sports were still being played. You know what I mean? Like there were yeah. games and they were yep. and they were a welcome distraction, really. Yep. Um, and now there's no there's no game. There's no nothing. I mean, there's just this is just so unprecedented. Um, but in our lane where we talk about basketball and, and other things, certainly the the notion that Kevin Durant uh, tested positive and, and that got out this week is something that, you know, really kind of, I think shook everybody, you know, it just was, it's, it's not, it's not that he's, he's a better person than any of the other people that have tested positive, but he's a superstar. You know what I mean? He's a superstar in the NBA and that gets people's attention. Yeah. I'm of two minds there, Dave. Like I, I understand that, you know, it's America and we live in a celebrity it's crazed culture. Um, you know, I don't claim to be somebody who's above it. Like, you know, I read some yeah. of the gossip rags and all of that stuff just sure. as much as everybody else does, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, I, like, 
I don't know why I should care that KD got sick. You know, like mm. the idea that he couldn't get sick never crossed my mind. I, I like right. I don't under like I'm I, I like I get why we need to publicize these public figures getting sick, but at the same time, I don't I don't know. I don't feel like we should be feeding into the idea that this is somehow special that KD got sick. You know, right. um, part of me is like, look, he's a 32 year old man. Um, he's in relatively great health. Um, yeah. the, he doesn't have some sort of autoimmune deficiency that we know of. So it's not like his, his own life is in danger. Part of me is like, okay, KD got sick like so many other people. I don't know why we should be pushing this. Um, I feel, I don't know. I, I, I just, the, the, the celebrity aspect of it all of like, oh my goodness, not Idris Elba. You right, know, right, it right. kind of just, <laughs> that kind of, it, it rubs me the wrong way and I can't. I don't know why I, I can't put my finger on why it just it just bothers me so much. I think I think part of the reason why it, it you know this it has such an effect on people is that the nature of any disease, right? The nature of any virus is so it's so difficult for people to understand that it could happen to anybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this is not something that only happens like well, I tell, I'll give you an example. Well, I was I was in my twenties, for example, in the eighties when when the AIDS crisis became a, a public thing. It became a public uh, uh, publicly known that people were getting sick and dying. But there were still so many people was in our society that were just like, well, that's it. That only happens to gay men, or that only happens to black men. Frankly, <laughs> that was part of it too. Um, and so they were able to kind of just like turn their minds off of it because, you know, they don't care about black people and they don't care about black men. They certainly don't care about gay men, you know, so um, they were able to kind of dismiss it in a, in a long way. The president of the United States did not say the word AIDS for six years. Okay. Um, after it was first, after the pandemic broke. Um, but this is something that everybody is getting. Everybody is susceptible to this. It is not, it's not, it doesn't matter race, gender, orientation, national, you know, country of origin. It none of that matters. And so I think when somebody like whether it's Idris Elba or or Katie or Tom Hanks or somebody, you know, people that people know, right, gets it, it kind of brings it home to like, damn, man, this really is something that everybody can get. And so I think that's why people kind of and our obsession with celebrity, as you mentioned, is part of it too. We're just obsessed with celebrities, period. But when you see it, when a celebrity says, I have this virus, people go, oh, shit, I could get this virus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it really brings it home. I think that's why people react the way they do to it. But I get your point. It shouldn't be more devastating that Katie right. gets it than, than, the, than the nurse in the hospital yeah. that's been treating these people for six weeks. Or, yeah. you know, the, the, the older people who are more at risk of this d disease, like, really hurting them. And, and you know, I know some people who have, like, personally, in my personal life, who are my age, but have dealt with, like, pretty severe symptoms from this stuff, right? Like, 104 yeah. fever and your right. throat closing up and you feel so weak you don't even want to walk and all of these things. Like, this stuff is really bad. And that's not to, you know, diminish any of this. I don't know the extent to which KD is sick or whatever. But, you know, I just thought it was really telling that, like, and KD put his name on it too, right? Like, he did. He was, he did. And he, you know, that's that's something in, in and of itself, right? Like, he was willing to put his face on it and be like, look, this happened to me. I mean, the other three guys remained anonymous, you know, but I, right. I, I just, 
I don't know. It's just something that I'm watching. It's, it's, it's this all feels so new to me, right? Like it is new. It's new to all of us this <laughs> in, in real time. I'm just like, like when I saw the KD thing, like because to me the Rudy thing was enough in the sense that like an NBA guy got it, his teammate got it, which means that right. people around them have it. Um, this thing right. is real. This thing is moving. It's affecting everybody, you know. And I, I, I don't want to pretend that my own sensibilities or understanding of things speak for the public at large or whatever, but that was kind of where I was at with, I was like, damn, you yeah, know, yeah. of course they right. got to cancel the season. Right. And it kind of put everything in perspective that we, that we were already learning. And then, you know, you do your, you, you watch the news and then you, you know, you, you, you watch a scientist be like, look, this is how China combated it. And it's like, wait, what? They had designated right. hotels. Wait, what? Every time you walked in the building, they took your temperature. Wait, what? They, they like, built, they, you had they, no choice. They built a hospital in eight days. <laughs> right. Like, wait, what? And I'm like, wait, that's how they that's how they manage this whole thing. We don't have any of that. You know, like right, once right. you start piecing things together, and it's just like, right. wow, this is bad. You know, that was mm. kind of it for me. It's like we got to stay home, but it's just it's interesting to watch how everybody's managing and dealing with it and reacting to it. Yeah, no, I mean, I am optim- cautiously, I should say, optimistic. It does seem like people now are getting that this shit is serious, you know, that this yeah. is not something to, to mess around with. It's not for play and, play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, like, so they're getting it and, um, you know, hopefully, look, it's, we're, we're going to keep doing the show as long as we can get people to, to come on um, because I think um, part of how we all cope with this is – to talk to each other and to talk to other people. We're all going through the same thing. And, and if uh, this is something that y'all continue to be interested in, we're going to continue to bring it to you because uh, we understand that sports is a diversion and that, um, you know, you want to hear about it. You want to hear about players and teams and stuff and all the stuff that's going on. So we're going to, we're going to continue to keep bringing it to you um, here uh, on hoops adjacent and, we want to keep uh, you listening in as long as you can, because whether it's this show or any of the other podcasts or the content that we have at The Athletic, um, you know, I'll speak for myself. I'm, I'm real proud of what, what, our, what our shop is doing, Waz. I mean, I feel like Absolutely. we're trying to do diff- things in a different way. Um, some of it's going to work. Some of it's not going to work. Um, but we're trying to be uh, receptive to what, what our readers want, what the consumers want. And we're trying to give them as much content as we can think of uh, while we all try to deal with this, while there's no actual games going on. So um, I hope that you keep listening to us here at uh, Hoops Adjacent. I think if you look at the guests we've had the last several weeks, uh, I am beyond proud of what uh, on, on this show the last few weeks, whether it's you know, Chris Weber, Stan Van Gundy, or some of the GMs that we've had, or Bomani Jones, or Joel Anderson, all of the, the people that we've had to, to chop it up here about basketball and life and all this other stuff. Michelle Roberts this week, um, uh, real proud of what we're doing. Real proud of what we're doing. Yeah, and I just want to say one thing to our listeners. Um, as somebody who, you know, I've been at the company a year now, which is kind of crazy when I think about it. But, you know, as somebody who... I can tell you from the inside, there hasn't been a single email communication, Slack, whatever, that's like, yo, you know, SEO is saying this mm-hmm. and the click-through rates is this. That absolutely never happens. Right. It's always creativity 
and, and thoughtfulness being encouraged in the work that we do. And I'm not just saying that. I promise you, these conversations never happen. And I know for a fact, because I know people that work at other places, those conversations are had over right. there. Um, and, you know, and that's just the reality of what the business is and commerce and, 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 and capitalism is. I'm not here to, you know, disparage that, even though privately I probably would. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying this is the, this is the life that we've all chose, right? right? Um, but here over here at The Athletic, man, I'm telling you what they try to encourage, the powers that be encourage us to be as creative, as thoughtful as possible. And I'm proud to yeah, see Yeah, no, absolutely. And just, just uh, before we wrap it up, um, one thing that The Athletic is doing is that if you are a new user, if you haven't subscribed yet, um, you can now get the athletic free for 90 days. Um, it's, a, it's just a service they're trying to provide as we all try to get through this. Um, you can count on us to continue telling these stories. And again, there's so many people, whether it's Marcus Thompson or, or Ethan Strauss or Kenny Rosenthal or Michael Lee and I wrote a piece about MJ as the 25th anniversary of his return that's in The Athletic today. So we want you to, to read those things and enjoy them uh, as best you can in all the podcasts that we do. So if you want to go to theathletic.com forward slash free 90 days, that's forward slash free 90 days, the number 90 days, uh, you can check us out and see if it's something that you want to keep uh, doing as we go on through the end of this year and forward. So uh, I thank you all. Thank you, Waz, for joining us in. And, um, you know, we will talk to you all next week.